The spin is supported by NatWest. Why? Because NatWest loves cricket. The skills it teaches and the communities it creates and want it to be easy for everyone to get involved. To find out about how NatWest is helping make cricket open to all, search NatWest Cricket. There is a producer on this show. Unbelievable, isn't it? Anyway, between shows, we send messages back and forth, mostly about what topics we're going to discuss with the guests. And I thought today I'd give you a sneak peek into what goes into making this podcast. So here is just a small sample of the things we've discussed since our last recording. Firstly, whether the term downtown only applies to a six that's hit straight back over the bowler's head. Secondly, the fact that the online MCC registration allows me to enter Queen or Princess as my official title. We've had a critique of Michael Carberry's new art exhibition, the forming of a Mark Nicholas Appreciation Society, the fact that neither of us has ever watched Love Island, and an argument about who is the best Kiwi commentator. None of that has made today's show, but I'll tell you who has. Charlie Baker becomes the most capped guest on this podcast. And we finally got our hands on Barney Ronnie, the Guardian sports writer who is no stranger to this studio from Football Weekly. I'm delighted he's making his debut finally. So let's get on with the show. Oh, wait, it's Simon Dool, by the way, the best Kiwi commentator. <laughs> The women's ashes gets underway today. Alyssa Healy says the Aussies will go unbeaten. The last Australian to make such a claim was Glenn McGrath before the 2005 ashes. Remind us how that one went, Glenn. As for England's men, it's this simple. If they win their next three games, they win the World Cup. So, can we beat New Zealand? Can Jason Roy stay fit? Can we go all the way? Can we just get on with the show? Welcome to The Spin. It's The Spin! I'm Emma John and this is The Spin, the cricket podcast that's not going back to Glastonbury until Alex promises to rap about Aravinda de Silva. Sitting around the boundary of our oval table today, Barney Ronay is at Long On and Charlie Baker is at Extra Cover. I'm at my usual position in Cow Corner and as ever, down at Fine Leg is our spare chair in case Michael Atherton ever wants to pop in and join us. Guys, last week I asked Jeff Lemon and Felicity Ward for their favourite cricket grounds and we ended up all picking international stadiums. So today I wanted to ask you, what's your favourite ground that isn't a test venue? Barney? I'm similarly boring. I'd always say the Oval, just because that's where I first started watching cricket. I used to live around the corner and I'd go there on my own. And it's a bit like a sort of secret garden in the middle of London. I mean, there's a really terrible ground near where I live now, which I actually really like, which is the county ground in Beckenham, which I go past all the time, which has got a newer stand coming and no one ever plays there. It's always empty, but it's kind of picturesque and beautiful and seems to sum up something about urban cricket. So maybe it's the county ground Beckenham. Does it have to be like a proper cricket ground? Why? What is, <laughs> what is this ground fav- you're about to tell My favourite ground is next to the pub where I drink. <laughs> and it's called, uh, in Oldworth in Berkshire, it's called the Bell Inn, the pub. And you literally bowl from the Bell End. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, but a uh, proper cricket ground, um, I'd say Taunton in the mid eighties. Oh, that's <laughs> so we've got to go back in time yeah, as well as time. as well as get on the Great Although Western it's Railway. Lovely. It's smashing now, and they're on the up, aren't they, Somerset? Yeah, doing well now. Let's catch up on some World Cup games. Oh yes. Uh, 
games that have happened since our last podcast include South Africa versus Sri Lanka. South Africa registered their second win of the World Cup. And all you really need to know about that game is that the most interesting thing that happened was it was stopped by a swarm of bees. It's good that the bees are still around this summer. You know, the people are calling, talking about climate change. We're not going to have any more cricket. Swarms of bees. It's only getting better. What I found interesting is the players lay down as one to avoid the swarm of bees, which isn't your natural instinct, is it? I mean, someone's told them to lie down and they've instantly believed that that's... I mean, it's it's either a comment on the incredible discipline of team sports that you simply do what you're told. Uh, I mean, did, did you want to see them like just running well, around the outfield yeah. like Eddie Izzard going, I'm coming in well, bees! I, I would have run away. Uh, someone would have said, no, no, you've got to lie down when you see a swarm of bees. And I would have said, that's ridiculous, I'm not lying down. And Probably this is why I'm not uh, an international sportsman. You think that's why? The only reason? Yeah, lack of discipline. Yeah, lack of discipline. <laughs> I like a bee, so I was quite pleased to see that. Oh, good. Pakistan played Afghanistan and beat them with only two balls to spare mm. in a game that I felt was not dissimilar from the one between New Zealand and South Africa earlier in the tournament where no one seemed to be winning, just losing to greater or lesser degrees. Mm. I feel bad for Afghanistan. They've not even got a point. Yeah, how do we assess Afghanistan at this tournament, Barney? Well, it's obviously been a lot of pressure on them. I mean, th- this team has been thrown together quite quickly out of a quite a confusing background. Um, at the club where my kids play, there's a, quite a lot of Afghani. There's actually a charity which takes Afghani refugees and puts them in cricket clubs. And it's been a, a massive success. It's based in Brixton. Uh, we did a little video on it at The Guardian. And these kids come over and they can play and they're nice people. And they found that cricket clubs are the one place they've come to this country where they've been unequivocally accepted. It's been quite important for quite a few of them. But quite a lot of these people have actually been through quite a lot of trauma and stress. You've not just gone to the local private school where you learned a bit about cricket. You mm-hmm. learned a bit about the game. You had a teacher. who, you know, they've, they've learned to play cricket against background of quite difficult stuff at home and they can be quite volatile it's a passionate game and and that team seems to have been beating itself up slightly at points there's been a lot of energy there but it's not necessarily all gone in the right direction and the captain took a lot of stick for his bowling change at the end of that game well his bowling change was bringing himself on yeah which i I mean some of it was a little bit unfair in that i think he's backed himself to keep doing what he's been doing for the team through their run to these World Cup finals that is his role it just didn't really work out and it looked strange (laughs) Rob Smythe said on the over by over that you know it was was great it was him wanting to you know lead from the front and that is exactly what he did he basically took them over the top to certain depth (laughs) off we go lads (laughs) <laughs> um, we also had our first bit of argy-bargy of the tournament at that game, didn't we? There was there was a scuffle outside and then there were some pitch invasions at the end. Do you think being a steward is the worst job you can have at a cricket ground? Are you allowed to watch the game as a steward? Because you see them at rock concerts or, you know, Glastonbury or something and they're sitting there to watch the crowd. Yeah. But they still do their dance routines. But are you allowed to watch the game at the cricket or do no, you have to watch not, the crowd? No, you literally have to watch the crowd. Oof, which is why you end up with balls whizzing past the steward's head. I mean, let's be fair, that, that sort of stuff happens at segregated football grounds. A lot of the, you know, you get a lot of people together, they're all quite excited. There will occasionally be flashpoints. Happens at football all the time. It doesn't mean everyone's terrible 
terrible or everyone's bad or we should ban these thugs now. It was just something that happens in city centres, train stations. Thankfully, nobody's really gone on about it too much. And I'm sure it was not as bad as it, it looked. Mm. I'm sure it was contained. Oh, it, it sounded like it was over within... The scuffle was over within seconds, it yeah, sounded I mean, like. Well, the, the pitch invasion went on a little bit longer because like, Dan Norcross had to keep talking <laughs> all the while it was happening. Over within an Owen Morgan innings. Depends <laughs> 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 who he's playing. Yeah. <laughs> New Zealand against Australia at Lords. Um, oh, I was there, yeah. So um, you can explain to us because New Zealand had Australia 92 for five. Mm. Lockie Ferguson took a wicket with his first delivery. Martin Guptill and Jimmy Neesham both took catches that belong in history books. So how did they lose that game? Well, it was bad captaincy. Oh. Um, I know you're not allowed to criticise Kane Williamson you're because not. he's one of the chosen ones. And a gentle dentist, as we've discussed on this podcast. Yeah, but I mean, if you've got someone 92 for five and you've got a bloke bowling 93 miles an hour and then you decide to bring on your part-time, your own part-time leg spin for seven overs, you've probably what the batting team would want. I mean, McCullum's thing was always keep your foot on the throat, wasn't it? You know, yeah. Try and win, bowl your best bowlers, try and get them down because it's Australia, they're really good. They'll come back and that's exactly what they did. And you just felt it was the little brother getting a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, overawed by a big brother. Um, and, you know, Australia were fantastic. Stark is terrifying. Isn't oh, he gosh. now has 24 wickets, which is more wickets than he has runs. He is massive, isn't he? Yeah, that's the thing you don't realise about. Him. He was stood in front of, when I went to England, Australia last week, stood in front of me and he's just an enormous man, like limbs and <laughs> legs and Ima- imagine body. Him, imagine him hammering it in. Well, coming up through the levels, know. there's this six foot six yeah. bloke bowling <laughs> 93 mile an hour Yorkers, which is really hard. You, you probably think we've, we've got one here. Yeah. yeah. Stick with this fella. <laughs> that Mitchell guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm no expert. <laughs> but no, they were training at, um, at the school uh, when my son was at that school where they, when they were training there. And he said they just watched Stark running in, and I mean his run-ups really long. He sprints like yeah. a maniac, and it was, it was, it was mesmerising. So big game awesome. of the week. England beat India by thirty-one runs at Edgbaston mm. in an absolutely crucial game. Uh, did it live up to the hype for you, Charlie? Very much so. Very much so. I mean, I thought we batted really really well and it was exciting wasn't it especially when India sort of gave up (laughs) that was the most exciting (laughs) point of a game that had you realised they weren't coming back so you could enjoy it you could enjoy the slow demoralisation of this amazing India team and they just sort of stopped didn't they when we put one down uh, who do we put down Um, Root put one down Sharma Sharma yeah I thought oh here we go this is it this is classic England having a chance and putting it away but no it was hung it, in there. They gave up. We, we all went home happy. I'd say I don't really buy the idea that England are now back, that that solves anything. I mean, mm. the, the doubts before the game were, can England chase and can they win a game when it goes against them a bit? Now, neither of those things happened. No. We know that they're, with Jason Roy in the team, they're quite happy to bat first, smash it everywhere, and then bowl just about well enough to restrict the opposition, which is what happens. They don't bowl teams out. They tend to just concede. I mean, teams go for it, so England's bowlers concede more runs. But they won in the way we know they 
can win. If they had won on a difficult pitch, chasing, after things had seemed to go against them, we might feel differently about this. But I don't think anything particularly been proved in that respect. For example, had Jason Roy been given out when he should have or might have been given out mm. and they'd won having lost a couple of early wickets or I mean, they, they hit the spinners for six quite a lot just over the head of the fielders. Things went their way and not every game is going to be like that. Fair enough, you only need to win three more and you can blast your way through three games. I don't think they've suddenly proved that they're a multi-dimensional team. We were streaky early on. I thought, well, you absolutely yeah. and, and, and Did you yeah. see those couple of inside edges that went past Bairstow's yeah, stumps? Like kind of, and, he, and he sort of looked round and followed them like he'd just seen a mouse scuttling across his kitchen floor. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that one gone? I mean, to be fair, that's what happens when you go for it. You know, that, that, that is just the way it is. You know, remember KP smashing 158 of the oval um, and being dropped. And, you know, that's just the way it is when you smash bowlers around. I think that this game and the way they batted in this game will give them a lot of confidence not just gives them confidence I mean it was confident mm. Johnny Bearstone channeled his anger into that century didn't he decided he's like the Hulk except we do like him when he's angry <laughs> batting first helped I think yeah. short boundary a very short boundary wasn't it the pitch was very much to one side well all, we heard about that didn't all that we sort of stuff yeah. oh dude they, 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 they had a go Coley had a little did, yeah. mumble about that I think that the game did harm India Coley losing it slightly whinging about the boundary boundary that was a sign of being slightly rattled you know you know the boundaries there you're bowling that bowler to that batsman it was a bad, it was a bad captaincy and I think Dhoni not wanting to get, get himself sweaty chasing the runs I think that's a really strange thing to do and I think if someone had done that if an England uh, player had refused to really I'm going to keep my powder dry I don't want them to see Emma Stoney fail in a run chase which is clearly what he was doing it was a ganguly approach to I know this is this is beneath me it's a, it's a dead rubber for us and we could get them in the se- if we get through to the semi-finals at the same venue is that correct we could get India and, and there will be massive pressure on you okay yeah. you've, you've not you've not gone for it then go for it now I'm not sure you can just drop the revs then pick it up I don't know of an international sport where that really works no, no momentum isn't it momentum is key oh, just I mean, playing properly the ticketing situation was interesting wasn't it at Edge Buston in terms of very few very England few supporters England well, seem to manage s- to get sounded tickets. like that anyway yeah. Uh, t- I, yeah I can confirm that that was true in fact I was going to say that was sort of one of the shames about India not going for it at the end was that the, you know, the crowd had just been phenomenal 26,000 mm. and like 25,995 <laughs> of them were, were all wearing Indian shirts yeah. and it was an incredible Wait, atmosphere and it went very quiet towards the end when they it's not a up. shame it's um, astonishing arrogance uh, as any sportsman can you imagine playing a club game where you lots of people there your family have turned up yeah Everyone's cheering you on. You don't Don't bother to try and win. It's incredible. It's sort of stunning to me that not more has been made of it. Mm. Um, But we'll see how that pans out. The the other thing I think not enough has been made of were those two substitute fielders on for both sides. So we had Ravi Jadeja while India were fielding, who was on because Rahul had injured his back, sort of falling over the boundary rope. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, we had James Vince come out for the entirety of mm. the England innings because Roy had got a bruise on his forearm, which is not something you normally need to take an entire innings to uh, no, it was, to a, it was a, a positive, wasn't it? That's one of the positives of us batting first as well, wasn't it? That Roy could that Roy could, could just go and, go and put some arnica on his arm or something Great like catch that. though, wasn't it? It's a great catch from the substitute fielder. That's that, I love that sort of thing when that sort of thing happens. Well, this, the, is, this 
this is should you be allowed like in, like, in, like in American football like they can bring on a kicker like they can bring on a, a specialist player should you be able to swap the teams around a bit for a, perhaps two different better fielders and you know well this is know. what I, they can't this is, bowl, surely but. this is what they're unofficially doing anyway I mean both of them took two catches mm. both the subs mm. is that not fair I mean should we have some kind of rule if you're bringing on a substitute fielder they should have to wear clown shoes <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, to make it hat. yeah I mean in a way I suppose it adds to the gaiety I, I want to see Jadeja fielding because he's astonishing yeah and you know we want to get the best players on the field I suppose it's kind of okay in that sense but yeah I mean there's always the other side of that is the, the Gary Pratt argument ah, um, what a moment lovely moment yeah. Yeah. still lovely. dream of it did you enjoy India's away kit, the navy blue and the neon orange? I thought mm. it made them look very young, actually. I thought oh. it was a very young-looking kit. Yeah, I, I'm always amazed by those cricket kits because so many of them are absolutely terrible, aren't they? I mean, it's so rare that you are, even to the greatest team you love watching, the canary yellow Australians, they all, you know, these great stern-faced icons of the game, you know, Matthew Hayden, in the most appalling clothes. I mean, I think it's just brilliant. Um, it was kind of better in the 80s almost when they had terrible kits and they were all quite pudgy. I enjoyed yeah. that era. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of fun. Mustachioed, pudgy men. And They've not gone for slim fit yet, have they? That's the thing. You see in the rugby, you see the yeah. really tight. The really tight Really ones, tight yeah. in the rugby. So when I they do that in cricket, it's going to be very exciting. Have you seen what the Australian kit does to their figures which is that it all sort of points upwards and a lot of them have their collars up especially Steve Smith it gives them the longest necks Steve Smith's neck (laughs) goes on for metres now there's the name of this podcast Steve Smith's (laughs) neck goes on for (laughs) metres he does I'm surprised nobody else has noticed this I see it every time I look at look at him on the screen now this is the old the old collar up trick is it it is what it is give yourself that Make yourself look a bit taller. A bit like a giraffe. Looking forward to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we looking forward to New Zealand? <laughs> Some of us are a bit nervous about that game. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fantastic. Well, I'm going up there tomorrow morning on oh. the early train. Um, what a life. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, the glamour. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I find it really interesting because I, I went to Durham for the first game of the county season because uh, the opening game at the Emirates Riverside, is that what it's called mm-hmm. now, was on something like... It was before the clocks changed. So it was oh. the first time that they've played a first-class game before the clocks have changed in a very, well, probably ever, um, because of our huge summer. So we went up to do a kind of, what are we doing playing cricket at this time yeah. piece? And it was really cold, which was great. You know, big yeah, ticks perfect, there. Perfect the photographer the takes a picture of people in the scarf. Um, <laughs> but it was lovely there. It's a lovely, beautiful ground. It's a lovely place to play cricket. But one of the interesting things was, talking to the locals, um, how little regard they have for the ECB and for the the England cricket team, partly because well, Durham have been fairly, through their own fault, have been fairly roughly dealt with in recent years. They don't have a 100 franchise. They'll have to go to Yorkshire. Mm. So they feel totally cut off. They feel we've been led to believe we're going to be an international cricket venue. We're not. In terms of the circle of life, for England's World Cup dream to go there and die at Durham oh, yeah. oh, would be a fantastic story. I mean, what a place to die, you know, stuck trying to get a taxi to the station at the end of that when that cycle has gone. A bitter and, wind blowing uh, through Durham. Yeah, and the locals, will they be weeping? I, 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 I don't necessarily no. think so. I mean, they're catching... Well, even, even though they're going to be seeing Paul Collingwood on the balcony. Well, that's true. There's Collingwood and there's Plunkett connection. But their captain is Cameron Bancroft. Nobody at Durham was really upset about that. You know, he wants to come and play for us. Great. How do we think the England-New Zealand game will go? Barney, what's your prediction? I think England will win. Um, I'd like to see them win in a difficult game on a difficult pitch. That would be the dream scenario. 
Charlie? I think we'll win comfortably. I think um, New Zealand may have lost a bit of adrenaline at the moment and they're going to saving it up for the semi-finals. There is a lot of confidence in this room. I love it. Should we talk about the women's ashes? <laughs> they begin today. Australia are the current holders, having won the trophy in England in 2015 and retained it after a draw down under in 2017. The England squad for the ODIs is Heather Knight, captain, Tammy Beaumont, Catherine Brunt, Kate Cross, Sophie Eccleston, Jenny Gunn, Amy Jones, Laura Marsh, Nat Siver, Anya Shrubsole, Sarah Taylor at wicketkeeping, Fran Wilson, Lauren Winfield and Danny Wyatt. Raf Nicholson, not in the team, by the way, is covering the game for The Guardian. And I caught up with her on the phone earlier. I started by asking her to explain how the multi-format series works. The multi-format points base was originally brought in um, because the women's ashes had been reduced to just being one test match. Um, and it was thought that that wasn't a particularly good kind of test of, of both the sides, really. Uh, so back in 2013, they decided that they were going to make uh, each of the three ODIs worth two points each and each of the three T20s worth two points each. Um, and the, the test match was originally six points and is now four points. Um, so basically, it's cumulative across the series. Well, we're into the pointy end of the Men's World Cup. The Women's Football World Cup final is this weekend and Wimbledon started yesterday. Is this good timing to be holding the women's ashes? It's a good question and I do think it's getting a bit less attention than it would have if it wasn't clashing with all these other sporting events. Um, But it's a tricky one from the ECB's perspective, I suppose, because there's just so much else going on. Uh, And with the Men's World Cup going on, it was always going to be difficult to schedule it at kind of the right moment. But I still think it's really exciting cricket in its own right and hopefully, you know, we'll get a bit of attention on it. What sort of a crowd are you expecting? There's been vague rumours of a sellout. Uh, I don't think that's actually correct, but you know, we didn't have very many people here for uh, when England played the West Indies here last month. Uh, we only had a few hundred in in the end. So anything more than that is a bonus, I guess. Hopefully, kind of maybe a couple of thousand would be good. What about this England team? Kate Cross is an interesting selection, isn't she? Yeah, she's kind of had a bit of a resurgence recently. She had been out of the side for a couple of years and had kind of struggled to find form. I mean, initially when I saw her, she made her test debut against Australia at Perth in 2014 and she was just, you know, on fire. Um, and I think she's, she has struggled a little bit since then uh, to kind of get back to that peak form. But uh, she does look to be back at her best. She played for England out in Sri Lanka. Um, those matches, unfortunately, weren't on TV. But just watching her in the opening couple of matches against West Indies, she, she seems to be bowling a bit quicker. She's certainly kind of back on point in terms of where she's pitching it. And um, the interesting thing is that she offers something a bit different to Catherine Brunt and Anna Shrubsoul in terms of she's she's actually getting seam movement off the pitch. And I think that's, that's going to be quite useful in these conditions I think that's that's only really exciting for England because it you know they need to be at their best against Australia who do you think are favorites for the ODI section of the competition I'd love to say England but I just think this Australia team are so difficult to beat they're so strong at the moment they're the only side in the world with a, a fully professional domestic structure um, which obviously we still don't have in England and they are just very strong. I mean, England did beat them in in the group stages of the 2017 World Cup um, and England are reigning world champions in the 50-over format and I do think it will be competitive. It's just very difficult to see beyond this Australia lineup. Well, Alyssa Healy certainly certainly thinks it is. She's made that bold prediction that Australia are going to go the whole series unbeaten. (laughs) So so the question really is, who's going to win more Ashes game this summer, her or Mitchell Stark? (laughs) 
I'm not sure I'm necessarily qualified to comment on Mitchell Stark, uh, <laughs> seeing as I'm mainly covering women's cricket. But I think um, it could be an interesting battle between themselves. I also think she may have suffered from being slightly misquoted there. I'm not convinced that she actually did say that. But, you know, it's, it, it'll, it'll certainly be uh, make for some interesting phone conversations, I'm sure. Well, I mean, he can only make five wins. She's got seven games. So she would if she does win them all, then uh, she'll come out on top. That's true. Yeah, good point. And you're going to come in and chat to us, aren't you, after the ODIs and before the Test match? I am, yeah. So really excited about the Test match, which is obviously quite a big deal for women's cricket because we don't have tests very often. So, yeah, looking forward to coming in. Great. We look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Raf. OK, thanks very much. Barney, what do you make of the multi-format series? I think it's good. I think it's worked before. I actually think it's probably the best way anyone's come up with yet of tying together the three different formats we play. And I think the players enjoy it as well. I think it keeps every game live. And I'm really looking forward to this series. I think it's going to be a really good series. England have picked a strong squad for those ODIs. I've always felt with this England women's team, it's important to keep the door open and keep moving talent through because there are there's a lot of change going on. There's a lot of good young players. I mean, Amy Jones, she'd played quite a fair bit before. Uh, she played quite a few years before, has come in and turned out to be, in my opinion, the team's best batsman right now. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that opening pair is really good. I'd like to see Bryony Smith get a game at some point. So would we. So would we. Uh, <laughs> we're just like, we're just champing at the bit for her to play because she's been on this podcast. Right, OK. Uh, but I mean, she's a really good young player. She's one of our own. She's one of our own. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and we claim it every time. I'm quite looking forward to seeing what happens. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be m- magic. What have they burnt to create the ashes. Ooh, that's a good question. Are they, are they, have they burnt something they to create own, some ash for yeah, their own ashes? Have they burned I'm, some stumps? I'm assuming that they've got to burn something. To, I mean, unless they're just, you know, I know it's just the name of the, of the tournament, but... We should get the listeners' suggestions for that. Yes. Please get in touch with us. Tell us what you think the England I look forward to seeing that list. Should burn. <laughs> you can tweet me at m underscore john or email us thespin at theguardian.com. Still to come, with both our guests currently tied in first position, we'll be looking to net run rate to decide who wins. Oh, I didn't know it was a competition. <laughs> Googlies? Slog sweeps? Dibbly dobbly bowlers? There are lots of reasons kids like cricket. It's fun to say, fun to play. It also keeps them moving, gets them talking and helps them focus, which is why NatWest thinks everyone should have a chance to play. It partners with Chance to Shine, a cricket charity bringing the game to schools and communities across the country to give young people new skills, new experiences and more chances to use silly words. From the school kids turned brilliant bowlers to the city tape ball teams, NatWest has paired up with The Guardian Labs to tell more stories of making cricket a game for all. Read them at theguardian.com forward slash natwest dash cricket. This message was paid for by NatWest. This is The Spin from The Guardian. The podcast thrilled to see Chris Gell finally meet his match this week as Rihanna stepped into the West Indies dressing room and told him to shut up and drive. (laughs) Three words on the baseball taking place in London this week. No thank you. 
the Yankees and the Red Sox racked up some big scores between them, or at least so they claimed, after one game finished 17-13. Yankees manager Aaron Boone immediately warned British newcomers to the sport not to expect run fests like that every day. There's not 30 runs every game, he said, before taking up his new job as James Vince's batting coach. <laughs> as the World Cup built to a climax, more people watched each one of those baseball fixtures than watched all the weekend cricket games oh, combined. Oh, no. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Good luck, ECB, with your money. (laughs) But how many were watching Snapchat and YouTube, which is going to save us, apparently? Well, one question is, I mean, there were 66,000 people at the London Stadium for that game, or at least that's the capacity. There were certainly over 60,000 there. And the the baseball players said it was a great atmosphere. Do we need our own huge modern cricket stadium in England, do you think? Well, not right now, no. Um, And certainly not north of London. Millennium Stadium Cardiff, shut the roof, play in the winter. Be marvellous. Be brilliant. Or in the O2, stick a pitch in the middle of the O2. There was a cricket tournament in the O2. There was some kind of titans of cricket and it was famous people. It was like young people, Joe Root. Did you? Just play the game. It was incredible. I think it was hosted by Charles Dagnall, actually, now I come to think of it. And was that a sellout? It was quite popular, yeah. It was pretty weird, though. It was kind of catching and hitting competitions. And Adam Gilchrist was in it and Shahid Afridi. And there were a couple of guys who were still playing, like possibly Jason Roy, who absolutely destroyed it because they were banging the zone. And it was hilarious. I think Flintoff was there and Steve Harmison was there. And in between competitions, they all sat on a sofa. And I don't think Harmison left the sofa <laughs> for the entire competition. He can just sat there and watched other people do it. I think that's, I mean, it sounds brilliant if you're a cricket fan. But I think this is one of the things that where cricket doesn't trust itself to be a good game. People love watching the game. Leave it alone. Just play the game. No, you're absolutely right. The game is never the problem. So which do you think is more likely to succeed? Baseball in the UK or cricket in America? Oh, well, undoubtedly baseball in the UK because it will be brilliantly marketed. Uh, it's already a massive sport and there are lots of American people. And people love American sports in this country. You, you only realise it when they're here. Um, mm. American football is hugely popular. USA just announced their first big international T20 tournament, didn't they? They're hopeful. Good. Yeah, I mean, hopefully so. It's one of those things, like people always go on about how massive uh, snooker is in China, but it really isn't. It's just that there are so many people. So the point zero 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 one who actually care about snooker is quite a few. One of my favourite, just to go back to baseball for a second, one of my favourite things about the baseball was that the game featured a mascot race between Winston Churchill, Henry VIII, <laughs> Freddie Mercury and the Loch Ness Monster. Do you think there's a place for that, Lords? <laughs> who, who, who won? I would go Mercury. Yeah, I'd go who, Mercury who all did day win? long. I don't know if we know. I think... Isn't Freddie Mercury from Zanzibar? <laughs> are we holding him up as a great Brit- uh, is he, are we calling him a great British icon oh, I don't he's know definitely he? one of, oh, yeah, yeah, he's one of our own he's, okay. his band is named after uh, well not actually named after the Queen our <laughs> <laughs> <A> Queen because <laughs> oh, yeah. they weren't allowed to use the Queen they'd have liked to have used the Queen as a mascot as a mascot instead they went pretty much <laughs> or the wrong costume arrived on the day <laughs> Well, the thing we'd like to see is the winner of the mascot race facing off against the cricketarist in a UFC fight to the death later in the year. I think I'd enjoy that. I I, I don't know a lot about sort of high-end guitar playing, but to my mind, the cricketarist 
is he actually any good at playing the guitar? I would say that is the worst thing that cricket has ever done. The cricketarist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, in Mike's, it's it's been dreadful. Oh. Have, you, have you heard his um, yeah. sweet child of mine? Yeah. It's just wrong. It's not even. It's not the new audience. It's not young people don't want to see a, <laughs> an old guy with long hair playing really bad pub rock riffs. Yeah. But that's just wrong. At least have somebody don't, DJing don't. Or, or or whatever. Do you know there is one other piece of entertainment though. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the. There's a little folk band. The, oh, the, the oh folk God. band does not get as much coverage oh, like as the, the cricket But there is. There's a, um, it's mm-hmm. a fiddle player, an accordion, and a guitarist. Oh. And they don't make as much noise. It's much more pleasant to listen to. Oh. Uh, have you seen much of the Caribbean Premier League, Dove, as I no, believe it's no, called? No. Between overs, it's brilliant. It really is. <laughs> yeah, it's real kind of carnival party It's really stuff. loud, and, yeah. and it's really good. And the guy doing it is really letting it go. And that would be brilliant. I don't think we are represented by an old... Guy playing guitar riffs. It's either. Clarkson on guitar. Jeremy yeah, no, Clarkson it, on guitar. It's really bad, and it should stop. I tell you what was driving me mad was you know when we scored when a six is scored and it goes and I was going I could not think what that tune was. I was like, is it the specials? Is it Dexy's Midnight Runners? It's none of those things. I was like, and I shazammed it off the telly, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Anyway, it's the Piranhas. If you want it's to an know actual song. Do you know? I've yeah. never even it's an actual I've never song. even heard that song. I've only ever heard the riff. It's classic championship football. Yeah. And I was going, what is it? I, I thought it was Dex's Midnight Runners, but it's, but it's not. It's a shame that we don't have anything like Take Me to the Ball Game, isn't it? Just, you know, thinking yeah. of the baseball. Take Me to the Ball Game is a fantastic yeah, thing maybe, when everyone stands maybe. up and sings oh, together. Uh, Jerusalem, I suppose, is our closest to that. Or, uh, do, do you know what they think? I don't know. That's what it is, isn't it? I would enjoy that. If that was something we did in the middle of every in every innings break. When an old cricketer leaves the crease, everyone's just singing mournfully, when an old cricketer... <laughs> there is so much amazing sport to watch this summer that it's tempting never to leave the sofa. Mm. But occasionally I do like to actually go outside and absorb some vitamin D. So there just isn't space or time for me to watch everything. I would like your help. Can we rank the competitions that are going on over the next few weeks in terms of how much the general public cares about them? And then I will schedule my time to make time for only the top six and the bottom two are going to get scrapped. Here are my choices. British Grand Prix, Cricket World Cup, Men's Ashes, Netball World Cup, Wimbledon, Tour de France, Women's Ashes and Women's Football World Cup. Mm. Where do they stand in the... Well, in the general love, do you well, think? The, the, the women's football has bossed the summer. It really has. That's been a massive success. Because it's on terrestrial television. Well, partly because that, yeah. partly because it has the power of FIFA behind it yeah. and all that, and the power of football. And people are obsessed with football. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in this paper, we, whenever we do market research, we say, is there too much football in the paper? Yes, is the answer. Would you like more football in the paper? Yes, is the answer. I think that tells you everything you need to know about market research. Well, no, it's, it, but people are obsessed with it and it's been a good tournament. Yeah. The England team have been great. Mm. They've projected themselves well, come across well. It's been well covered. Um, so that's one. And, and That's number one. Okay, yeah. I'm writing that down. Number one. After that, it's like you're feeding <laughs> off scraps, aren't you? I can mean, I just say we are a cricket podcast, so can it be number two? <laughs> well, it, it, it's not. I mean, 
It's not, is it? I mean, it's not in the general kind of consciousness, but I think in my consciousness, it's always going to be number two. So you're saying if sorry, I went out, sorry, Lioness, if I went out on the street now and said to people, "What sport is on this summer?" What do you think they'd say? I think they said Wimbledon right now because yeah. Wimbledon's just started, and Wimbledon's something that everybody always talks about, even if they don't follow yeah. sport at all. Well, that's what tennis is in this country, isn't it? A fortnight. In all seriousness, it goes Women's Football World Cup, then um, Wimbledon, then the Men's Ashes. Then the Grand Prix, which actually probably the Grand Prix first, which has you'd be surprised. There's so huge, many fans. Isn't it? Well, they're fanatical, huge. is the thing, isn't it? It's it's a group of people who are fanatical about a sport. Yeah, they like their thing and they will follow it wherever it goes. So they follow. Actually, it. That, that's, that's above the men's ashes, as is the Tour de France. You're saying the Tour de France yeah. comes above the men's ashes. Yeah. How many people around the world follow the, the men's ashes? No, but we're not talking about <clears throat> around the world, really. Are we talking about British summer? What do you? Draw the curtains to stay in and watch on a sunny day. Well, it's not the, the Tour de France. Have you seen when the men's ashes is happening? <laughs> was, yeah. Um, well, you're saying it's not going to be sunny by then? Possibly not, no. In the, in the middle uh, of September. Uh, what I think will be most exciting is the Netball World Cup. The netball is an absolutely brilliant sport. Yeah, and it, it is. I'm going it, to cover that. And it, and it will be an f- incredible event. It will be really, really good that. So I'm really looking forward I, to I that. I hope it is an incredible event because I, I'm spending 11 days in Liverpool Arena watching oh, it. I love so it. It'll be great. It'll be great, that. Wimbledon, obviously Andy Murray's not in the main draw. So yeah. uh, they're going to be relying on <laughs> people's interest in doubles will suddenly become... Well, is, I've always loved doubles. You doubles make a really is a good, good game. Point. You make a really good point. Though. I mean, Wimbledon has been absolutely saved by Henman and Murray. Mm. Uh, since ni- 1996, their profits went through the roof uh-huh. on the back of that Henman stuff. Murray picked it up. Who have they got now? I mean, the Federer's the big star there. I've noticed as we've been discussing these and putting them on the list, we still haven't got to the Cricket World Cup. Um, I really hope that means we're not going to end up putting that in eighth because... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah, which is going to be really difficult for the podcast. But this is the serious point behind this, presumably, in that there is a debate going on around this World Cup as it unfolds about... Is it visible enough? And if not, which it probably isn't, then why not? And what can we do about it? Which is a real shame. There are different camps on this. There are people who deny absolutely that being on terrestrial television has anything to do with the popularity of a sport. Probably, I assume, as a result of being told by other people that it's everything, which clearly isn't everything, but it is a big thing. And the ECB has spent a lot of time putting a lot of PR out there saying that actually young people don't watch television. They watch things on the internet, uh, which just isn't true. Um, It may be true to an extent, but really, no. I mean, what's Love Island? I mean, why is anyone watching that? Why is it in all the newspapers? It's a load of rubbish on terrestrial TV that people sit down and watch because it's there. And that could be our load of rubbish. You know, that could, (laughs) could, but really, you know, people, it is a shared experience. It's the only way you reach out beyond. And yes, Sky, it doesn't mean you think Sky is terrible and that we should give the money back, but it means something has to be negotiated where there is some presence outside people who've already paid for it. We haven't lost cricket from terrestrial television. There are highlights on Channel no, 4. Highlights they just is nothing. What they're, they're all at midnight. What time? They, they, they are very late. Have you sure. tried watching highlights of a one-day game? They're not very good. They're fine if you like cricket. There's no tension there. You're not going to get people saying, this is incredible, this fast-cut sequence of someone bashing a ball. That You need a game with tension. Who's going to win? Who's not going to win? And you might get some new fans. I am only interested in cricket because I saw the 1985 series, Ashes series on television. And out of that, I've supported the game, given it lots of money. It's become something I will never lose, which my kids are now infected mm-hmm. with. You need 
to see it. Uh, and if we've got an opportunity to do that, we should take it. Our colleague Annie Martin has suggested one good idea for, for doing that, hasn't he? Which is that we should have one test match a summer yeah, that is ring-fenced and goes on. It's not even an original idea. That's why Wimbledon's on television. That's why anyone knows anything about tennis in this country. Because without Wimbledon, it dies a death. Because in 15 to 20 years, when no one is watching it, they'll go, why have we got no one taking it up? Well, no one could see it. I feel like after this discussion, I'm really confused now. <laughs> I, I am just going to have to watch all of these things. And I'm also just scribbling down Ad Love Island. <laughs> We're down to the final week of group stage matches in this World Cup and it is tight. Places in the table will be decided by net run rate and we've already seen the effect in some games with teams milking singles at the end of a match to narrow their losses instead of going for the win. So is there a better way to decide which of two teams on the same number of points should be ordered? Test match special scorer Andy Zaltzman has been getting animated that it shouldn't be the head-to-head result that separates the teams. And Adam Collins likes my idea of fewest wides being the clincher. Mm. What do you guys think should replace net run rate? Most sixes. Most sixes? In the one-day game, most sixes, yeah. Keeps it entertaining, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like goal, like a goal difference, you know. Also, wouldn't England do pretty well on well, that basis? Well, if everybody went for it, one well, might have made might have made India go for it, you know. But you you could just say who scored the most runs. I mean, that seems fairly oh, well, straightforward, yeah. doesn't it? You know? well, overall, yeah, yeah. Who scored the most runs? Yes, of course, you, that, you that is through. the answer. Um, I'd have never understood why it's not just who scored the most runs. I suppose because some is games it are because curtailed. of well, yeah, games get washed out about yeah, it, doesn't but that? You'd always have energy. in your head that I must score runs. I must score more runs, and that seems like a good. thing thing fewest reviews i'd back that can't yeah. stand a review really especially not in white ball cricket best fans well i mean what about best yeah, fans but fan catches in the stands oh, i think yeah. that would be nice, a good yeah, one yeah. especially if it was like you know it was just just for that game so yeah. so you could have somebody in the stand who wins the world cup final Oof. for your team i have to say i'd probably go fewest fan catches <laughs> fewest uh, least banter you know yeah. Yeah, quietest and, yeah quietest, like quietest most respectful cricket fans <laughs> did you not did you not really enjoy that moment in the England Australia ga- uh, not in, in the New Zealand Australia game where Warner went to look for the ball it had got lost under the seats and somebody offered him a crisp <laughs> and he just popped his hand in the bag and yeah, grabbed I mean, one everyone, everyone likes a moment like that fan catches anyone who tries to catch the ball and falls over really painfully on their face I mean, Go for that. Listen, you've been framed as made about 25 series out of that. We've we've had quite a few captains putting in multi sort of all round performances. Maybe it could be, you know, how much has your captain done for the team? It could be just come down to their solo contribution. And then Kane Williamson bringing himself onto bowl would suddenly make a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Because he did take a wicket in that game, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. Yeah, I, I suppose so. (laughs) (laughs) It's there on the score sheet. (laughs) Well, I'm afraid to say. That it is time to say goodbye to my guests, Barney Ronay and Charlie Baker. Next time, cricket author Marcus Berkman, who wrote the fabulous book Rain Men, will be joining us alongside Test Match Special's Daniel Norcross. Until then, you have two jobs. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. And keep your fingers crossed. Goodbye. <laughs> The Spin is supported by NatWest. To find out about how NatWest is making it easier for everyone to get involved in cricket, search NatWest Cricket.